Hello, history enthusiasts. Welcome to the Rural Experience in America Community Civics Through Historical Inquiry podcast. The National Council for History Education, a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium, is pleased to present to you a series of podcasts spotlighting the public history projects created by teachers, community partners, and students from all over the United States. My name is Talia, and today I'll be talking to one of the 11 educators who participated in the first year of this project. Listen in as we learn more about how they integrated public history into their classrooms. Let's welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth Foreman. My name is Elizabeth Foreman. I am a K through five gifted and ESOL teacher, which means I teach students who speak another language as well as gifted students. This is my 10th year of teaching. The school that I am at is a very small school, but we're an urban school, um, but it's in the middle of a small little neighborhood. It is predominantly African-American and with about 15 kids who were speakers of other languages. It's the only school I've ever been at and I love it. <laughs> Welcome, Elizabeth, to the Rural Experience in America podcast, year one. Can you tell me a little bit about your project, Decatur, then and now? So Decatur is where the school is, um, but Decatur is big. It's a part of the bigger Atlanta area. What we're studying is what was Decatur in the past and what it currently is now. Um, so we started our project with looking at pictures, images um, from Decatur, and especially where our school is and the name of our school is actually named after a farm, a dairy farm. And so the kids didn't know that. They didn't know that it was um, all rural area. And um, that was interesting to them because they're like, really? A dairy farm? Why? We're so crowded now. So that led to more questions of, okay, well, what's happened since? Why did it grow? What happened? We've had some interesting discussions because civil rights plays a part in this because white people moved into little garden suburbs, neighborhoods out of the city. And then white people moved back into the city and pushed black people out. So it's kind of a, we've been having a lot of discussion with that. That's been very interesting. Um, but yeah, that's it kind of in a nutshell. I'm dealing with fourth and fifth graders, predominantly they're gifted students, um, with one third grader. Um, but yeah, we just do a lot of, right now we're right in the middle of the research project. Awesome. So they're researching right the history of their town. Yes. Our school has been around since 1975. So we started actually with yearbooks. Just, you know, what do you see? Do you see any changes in the pictures and the people? Um, and they're like, oh, so-and-so, this is, she still works here. She was a kid. So we have a lot of people, community members who actually work at the school, who went to the school. So they were, that was really interesting for them. And then we did some analysis um, of some primary sources like images from the Library of Congress. The Library of Congress has this primary source analysis tool um, and it's called Observe, Reflect, and Question. Mm -hmm. Well, for elementary purposes, I made it, I see, I think, and I wonder. So the kids have to look at the image just jot down all these ideas of what they see. Then they have to think about what, why is this picture? What was it taking for? What, you know, start thinking about the historical event that possibly could be taking place. And then the wonder part is, okay, why was this picture taken? 
you know. So that's how we started our project. Um, the research, they're digging into it now with online research. New Georgia Encyclopedia has been really a great help with us. The biggest thing for me has been their fourth and fifth graders. This is not a term research paper. Right. Um, they're still young enough. So, <laughs> but they are still capable of doing like five to eight paragraphs about their subject. So now it's just narrowing down the information. <laughs> so what is the final presentation for the students? What are they working towards? Okay. So the research paper will be one aspect of it. And then they'll have a display board, which will have images that they've chosen to use um, that helps reflect their paper. And then ultimately they're going to get a chance to interview a community member about how Decatur's changed over time. So they're going to do an oral history with a community member. So we're going to videotape, videotape that, it sounds so old. Um, we're going to, <laughs> we're going to um, use an iPad and the kids are going to get to um, interview, which they're excited about. They're so excited about that part. because They're like, yay, we get to be like little YouTubers. <laughs> um, ultimately, it's going to be the report, a display board, and then the final uh, video of the oral interview. So this is all going to come together. And then um, we're going to exhibit it. I know definitely in our school where we're going to have kind of like a little local fair, little social studies fair. Um, and we'll have the community members come in and hopefully, hopefully some other people from our district or some other schools will come and see it. And then eventually maybe we can get our community member, the Cab History Center, maybe let us display some aspect of our project as well. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about um, the roles of yourself, but also your community partners and the community in creating your project. Okay. So really it's been hard for me because I love research, but I'm the <laughs> facilitator. So I am just facilitating the kids, you know, guiding them in areas, guiding them where to look and, you know, showing them different resources um, we actually ended up using uh, the city of Decatur has its own website, but we had to vet stuff to make sure it was actual information that we could use. Um, but then we had to corroborate that information with New, New Georgia encyclopedia information. So they've had to gather all this information. <laughs> the student's role is pretty much, you know, it's a lot of independent work, which works great with gifted kids because they love to explore things. So it's great for them to go on their own and explore different things that they want to. So I'm excited to see what the final product is. Um, I have one girl and three boys, so it'll be very interesting. <laughs> the community partner is the Cav History Center. And for the beginning of our project, I showed the kids some images from Decatur. They've been great in providing information um, for me. Unfortunately, I can't get the kids to go there because they're elementary kids. So it's not like I can take a field trip there because we just got approved for field trips for COVID. So I kind of have to bring stuff to them. Um, but they've been really great about answering questions for me, providing images when I need it. Um, we've also had the Georgia Archives give us information and give us permissions for different images as well. So you mentioned that you've got images from all these local sources, but also the Library of Congress. What were the difference between those sources? The Library of Congress is really great for the overall like state of Georgia. We were looking at maps and the transportation. Um, we looked at the railroad um, location because that that's a reason why this particular why Decatur ended up 
you know, growing. We also looked at the Sanborn fire insurance maps of different parts. And so they're still in the process of looking at those because, you know, for them, uh, map skills is a very basic concept that we want them to get and they don't always use it. So it's been interesting and a little challenging for them, uh, the different types of maps, um, because they're used to the state of Georgia, but not everything that's on it. We've had to review some skills. <laughs> um, so the Library of Congress is great for overall. Um, they have some things about Decatur, um, but not specifically Decatur. Can you tell me some of the rewards and benefits you've had completing this public history project? So the, the greatest thing about this is um, really introducing my students to an area of history that they normally wouldn't get to, which is the local. Um, the standard that we use is, you know, trace the development of history from 1975 to 2001. Well, usually we talk about uh, civil rights, justly so, but in this case, we're putting a whole um, local feel to it. So the kids can connect better with it. So they can connect the social studies, the history um, with something in their life. Because that's always for them the disconnect. Like, why am I learning these facts? I don't understand why. I just don't. It's not purposeful. So, you know, bringing the two together where they can do their local community and match it with events really makes it real for them. So that is definitely a huge benefit. Plus for me, um, it's been nice um, sharing this with actually my fellow DeKalb County public school teachers, you know, with other social studies teachers, you know, hey, we got these great resources and, you know, I'm doing this program. So, you know, maybe you'll think about doing this. Um, that has been really nice to share it with other colleagues as well. So that's, those are some great rewards for it, as well as the students getting to do something a little different. And on the flip side, what are some challenges of completing this project? So the challenges for me, especially since I'm the only elementary school t school project, um, is is making it you know doable for the kids. Um, I don't want to make it too incredibly challenging, too hard, um, and not making like long term papers. And you know it was frightening. I love all the other projects that are are being done, but they're like so elaborate. Um, so I do have to give credit to Regina. She has worked tirelessly with me about how we can hone in on different aspects of my project. She actually gave me the idea for the oral history, which is like the favorite part for my students now. They're like so excited about that. And it actually started out as two projects, one big project, and it was too much. And so I ended up splitting it. Um, and that's year two. That's one of the biggest challenges is making it where the kids can do the work and me putting it, them putting out a product that is, you know, accessible uh, for other um, elementary uh, teachers, but also for other students. Have them feel like they're, it's not outdated. Because I was like, oh my gosh, we're just going to do pencil and paper. We're just going to put it on a board. No, we added a component of the technology with it. So they're super excited. <laughs> um, another challenge is also the community partner because I've learned as a teacher, you just ask, and the worst thing they can say is no. Um, you just ask for help or like, hey, come and help me. You know, we're doing this project and get them really excited about it. I was nervous about um, asking the Cap History Center because they're, you know, they're this history center. Like, why would they care what this elementary school is doing? So 
Um, that was a little nerve wracking, but I was like, got to do it. And it's for the benefit of the kids. So getting that set up was partly somewhat challenging and just getting there, thinking about who would be my partner. And finally, uh, do you have any advice for fellow teachers who may be embarking on a project similar to this, especially elementary school teachers? A couple things. Um, you can do it. Um, elementary students are very flexible and sometimes they'll give you the ideas. Um, you know, they're eager to share, oh, we can do this and we can do that. And um, so letting kids explore and expand, sometimes just taking it to them actually helps. Um, another thing is, um, you know, just seeking those different opportunities. This has, like I said, opened different doors with other colleagues, which I was like, okay, you want to hear about my project? Sure. But recommending, I would just, you know, go for it. Honestly, just try it. Kids learn so much from it, from the doing the primary resources, just a different chance instead of just doing facts and, you know, they always go, why do I have to know this? Well, this gives them a chance to explore it. And that for me, I've always enjoyed that aspect of it. Is there anything else that you want to share or mention that we didn't talk about so far? The only thing I didn't talk about is um, the Right Question Institute. They have a fabulous questioning method. And it's so simple that you can use it for any content area. And for me, that opened up the questions and, and expanded the project more. So it works like this. You have the kids create the questions and then they have to go back and is it open-ended, which you have to teach them what that is, open-ended question, or is it a simple yes or no question? And so then they have to choose ones that they like the best or maybe similar ones. And um, then they break it down to a couple questions that they can use for further exploration, further research, or maybe just a, using that question for um, the lesson that day, which was, it's just something so simple, but it worked really, really well. Um, so I do have to give credit to that because it just makes it much more engaging for the kids that they have control over the questions, not just me coming up with some question. Thank you so much to Elizabeth Foreman for giving us a sneak peek into her creative process. Stay tuned to hear from two of her students, Elijah and Hannah, talk about what they learned about to cater through this project. Hi, my name is Elijah, and I learned that in the 1830s and 40s, the um, Decatur was a stage coastline from Augusta south to south of the railroad line. It's Little Decatur, city of Decatur. Hi, my name is Hannah. I learned that in the 1830s, the city of Decatur had a stop on the railroad line from Atlanta, previously a stop on stagecoach line from Augusta. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will also listen to other teachers, community partners, and students as they share their impressive public history projects that connect students with their community's history. You can find all the stories on our website at nchieteach.org. This podcast has been produced by Regina Holland, Program Manager at National Council for History Education, and Talia Smith, 
a Teaching with Primary Sources intern at the Library of Congress. NCHE is a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium. This podcast contains samples of Bulldoze Blues by Eleanor Ellis and Henry Thomas. It was retrieved by Deanne Arthur and Rick Arthur via the collection of Music Box Project materials found at the Archive of Folk Culture American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. It can also be found on the Citizen DJ website. Last but certainly not least, thank you so much to all of the teachers, community partners, and students who participated in the creation of this podcast. Until next time.